0: welcome to believe in arkansas where we believe free people are capable of extraordinary things now here is the host of believe in arkansas ryan norris
1: welcome back everyone to another segment of believe in arkansas where we believe that free people are capable of extraordinary things it is just fascinating again as I get to travel the state of Arkansas to meet all of these bright minds out there that have great ideas about how they can improve our state. And by improve our state, it's not even always regular in terms of laws that they want to pass or any of those kind of things. What it can be is simply great ideas on business or a new way of of providing a service to their fellow Arkansans. And when you really look at it and you calculate the number of problems that business solves for us in the course of our lives, you know, on a daily basis, a weekly basis, et cetera. I mean, they help us provide us transportation. Business helps us keep our cars cars running, keep our cars clean. They, uh, you know, business helps keep my, my laundry uh, taken care of. It's just, they keep us fed. It's amazing the problems that free enterprise and business are able to solve for, Everyday citizens, and it's a it's an awesome awesome responsibility that they kind of have too, because they've got to keep everybody uh, excited about their product or about their service, or else they go away. But it's really difficult to start businesses, uh, you know in in general. It used you know a little easier, but regulations are one of the areas that make it really really difficult, I and mean, this has effects on consumers when regulatory is so high on business. It does affect. The cost of the goods and the services that they provide, and that means that we get limited quality or quantity—not quality, but limited quantity—at times of those goods and services. So, for example, in uh, a, an article from 2021, May of 2021, the National Association of Home Builders said that at all levels of government regulation, it costs an additional $94,000 on a new single-family home build that it makes up about 25% roughly of the cost of a new home is just in regulatory compliances. So that's no additional square footage. That's no additional amenities, no kind of updates. It's just additional costs that you have to pay as a consumer because of regulations. Now, do you think that in your home, when you look around, that you received your money's worth of $94,000 of regulation? I don't think that I did that on mine. Additional to that, it shows that in small, the Small Business Administration said that compliance costs for small business uh, every year is an additional $10,000. So whenever you're calculating hiring staff in, if you're really attuned to your business and what you do, that not only do you have to calculate salary and benefits and those kind of things, but you also have to anticipate that it's going to cost about another $10,000 on top of an employee just to maintain compliance and then among small businesses with all the regulatory reforms that are out there nearly 70 percent of small business owners try to stay compliant themselves and this of course detracts away from their ability to be productive not only does that increase the cost again of the goods and the services but usually those that can't afford it the least are paying for it the most and in a study done by Dr. Dustin Chambers at Salisbury University on the issue of regulation and its impact on consumers said that for every 10% increase in regulatory restrictions, there is a corresponding 0.687% increase in consumer pricing. And that doesn't necessarily sound, you know, they're like, oh man, that sounds really small. But you would be surprised at how many times we are meeting or exceeding that 10% increase in the regulatory restrictions that are produced at the federal, the state, and even sometimes the local level. And that low-income households, they spent about 12% more of their income on heavily regulated items such as electricity, drugs, and uh, medical care. So, all of that said, just painting a picture that regulations, some of them can be necessary at times. You know, government's supposed to keep us safe and protect our rights. Some of those could be argued to be keeping us safe, but what's necessary and what is not? How does regulation uh, impact? Our daily lives and what can be kind of done about that, particularly as we look here in Arkansas to become a state, an incubator state, where business wants to come here to start and begin new ideas. And I think that we have someone uh, today who can again uh, enlighten us about regulations and about solutions to the to the massive regulatory environment. So uh, welcome back, uh, Reese Impey, with the Libertas. of, of Utah. And uh, Reese has been with us before to talk about regulatory sandboxes. He's the director of state government affairs at the Liptos Institute. And Reese, welcome back to talking with us here in Arkansas.
0: Thank you for having me back, Ryan.
1: I think that again, I'm kind of covered a lot in the in the opener here, but simple question straight to you is what are the intended purposes of regulations from your perspective?
0: You know, I'd say at its core function, the intention of regulations are to keep the consumer safe. That's why they're put in place. That's why they're there, to ensure the consumer is safe and protected in consuming whatever product, service they may be, and ensuring that they aren't getting ripped off, essentially.
1: And, you know, I agree that that's the way we really think about it. But I also look through and I see... Uh, consumer complaints like through attorney general's office or something and in their office of consumer protection. And most by industry, when they used to put it up by industry as to where the most complaints are coming from, some of them are coming from the most heavily regulated areas. Uh, So are we really safe? Are they making us safer through these regulations? Or is there just some after the fact uh, kind of punishments that they kind of bring on to people should they get caught?
0: You know, I'd, I'd argue that many of these regulations are way outdated. They've been sitting on the books for 50, 60 plus years, and they haven't received a second look since then. Uh, and, you know, many legislatures across the country are like for regulatory reform, but they have no idea where to begin. You know, there are those obvious regulations that are like, duh, why is that still here? But then there are some not so obvious ones kind of hidden within, you know, most of the state's bloated regulatory codes because they just keep adding new ones without taking any away.
1: Right. You and I had talked before about uh, the issue in Mississippi regarding drone technology being used for pesticide and for fertilizer in agriculture, and how there was a law in Mississippi that said you had to have a pilot's license to distribute those by air, but it makes no sense to have a pilot's license when you're using a drone. And uh, Mississippi used a regulatory sandbox. To, uh, to kind of solve that because innovation is outpacing regulation. And in Arkansas, we only get a bite at the apple to legislate every two years. And so innovation is going exponentially faster then that in between those intervals. And uh, it takes, of course, a long time to convince on legislators that what they need to maybe do. So you even have to add in buffers So some legislator, legislation can be trying to catch up with something that needed to be solved five, 10 years before the fact.
0: Exactly. And yeah, Mississippi is one of those states that has begun looking at a regulatory sandbox to solve everything from drones, distributing fertilizer to Uh, something as simple as a corn vending machine, and Mississippi isn't the only state I've I've heard of where this problem exists. Montana is another. You know, many of these agriculture-heavy states, where innovation could be just unleashed, and with the food shortages, you know, why shouldn't we try anything that we possibly can? And and like you said, many of these state legislatures, it takes them years to to fix a problem that appeared ten years ago, and Mm -hmm. something that. You know, especially a state that only meets every other year, such as Arkansas or North Dakota or Texas, a regulatory sandbox can really be helpful because that's there every single year, every single day. You know, a business approaches Arkansas, you don't have to be like, "Oh, we can take a look," but you know, we're in an off gear You're going to have to wait. Right. A regulatory sandbox can take action immediately and not deter that business from Arkansas because yeah. you know, if I, if you're not going to instantly welcome them, they may look at another state, such as Utah or Florida. Yeah that is much quicker to act.
1: That's a very good point, Reese, of the responsiveness that business needs, the flexibility that business needs. Um, A regulatory sandbox could be the tool that allows that to happen even in between the years that our legislators are meeting. This Believe in Arkansas shout-out goes to Paul Chapman and our friends at Restore Hope Arkansas. Paul and his team aim to reduce the rate of incarceration and the need for foster care through a community-driven approach, utilizing stakeholders in community, business, education, and government to keep families together. Paul is an Americans for Prosperity partner, sharing his unique experience and knowledge to identify barriers that keep families in a cycle of poverty, helping them overcome those barriers and live a healthy, thriving life. Go to RestoreHopeAR.org, that's RestoreHopeAR.org to learn more about the good work that Paul and his team are doing in Arkansas. So for those that may be hearing the term regulatory sandboxes for the first time, could you describe kind of what that is?
0: Absolutely. In short, a regulatory sandbox enables innovators to work with regulators and legislators To trial new products, services, and business models while temporarily waiving uh, laws or regulations that are inapplicable to their ideas. So, let's say, for example, I've got an idea for a creative drone insurance. You know, that six-month policy premium isn't going to make sense if I'm only flying the drone once a month. Or a creative way to collect payments for my food truck business, etc. Or whether it's drones fertilizing, a regulatory sandbox could be the answer. One of the tools in the tool belt to Uh, find real examples of regulations not working as intended. And the way they work, I'm this innovator with this great idea. Some regulations are standing in my way. I would approach the state, whatever agency or body that is currently hosting and uh, working on running the regulatory sandbox. I would outline my great idea, what's standing in my way. And upon acceptance into the sandbox, whatever those regulations are, they are temporarily waived, typically for two plus years. And that regulator is then able to collect real-time data from the reporting of the innovator to say, hey, these are the consumers we're working with, no complaints, people are happy. So then at the end of the trial period, ideally that regulator can approach the state legislature, say, hey, these rules and regulations aren't working as intended, rather they are stifling and preventing innovation from taking place in, let's say, Arkansas in the first place, we need to take action. So then that business can exit the regulatory sandbox and enter the market legally. In other words, it creates this dynamic regulatory reform process that invites the business community to the table to highlight troublesome regulations that are standing in the way of innovation, to work with the regulators and legislators, to constantly be reforming the state's regulatory code to better welcome the innovations of tomorrow.
1: I like that a lot. So you've hit on a couple of of sandbox areas. We've kind of hit on agriculture and how agritech could be useful a sandbox could be useful. You hit on insurance could be a space to where innovation and sandbox could be useful. What are other areas of industry that may be open or or require flexibility such that a sandbox would provide?
0: Uh, traditionally, and the very first sandbox that the world saw was financial technologies with deals with you know cryptocurrency and blockchain. Blockchain creates digital secure ledger. Uh, That started to creep its way into other industries across the world. And then in 2018, the very first sandbox came to the United States by way of financial technologies or fintech in the state of Arizona. And it started to catch on in other states, implementing fintech sandboxes of their own while also expanding into other industries such as insurance. Um, Arizona then looked at property technologies. The state of Wyoming looked at medical digital innovations. And since then, we've seen states such as Mississippi and Connecticut look at agriculture technology sandboxes, uh, energy technology sandboxes. In my state of Utah, we have implemented a legal services sandbox, which is run by our state Supreme Court. And we also have an education sandbox to uh, promote innovation in the classrooms. So, in other words, the sky is the limit, and we want to sandbox everything. And every and any industry, even those that we haven't thought of, deserve welcoming with open arms. Just because we haven't thought of it yet doesn't mean we should prevent it from coming through the front door. Let's instead give them a space to trial their, their product, their service, their business model, and then create smart regulation after, while also chipping away at the burdensome archaic regulations that are sitting on the books currently.
1: So Reese, with regulatory sandboxes, what is it like with participation and uh, our businesses even being attracted to uh, getting
0: involved with them? So it's important to note that the United States is still fairly new to the regulatory sandbox. The first one in the world came in 2014 in the United Kingdom, while the first one stateside came in 2018 in Arizona. And also our split, our federalism creates some other complications between state regulations and federal regulations. However, there are some very good signs of early success. Arizona has had close to a dozen participants as well as Hawaii. West Virginia had a business relocate from Pennsylvania to partake in their FinTech Sandbox. Utah's Universal Sandbox currently has two participants after just getting off the ground a little under a year ago, while there are a few applicants in, in the hopper and others reaching out with interest. Our Legal Services Sandbox in Utah has just under 60 participants and a handful of a few dozen applicants looking to get into it. And as a result, the state's really leading the way, you know, because I'm a strong believer that states are the incubator for innovative policies. Mm-hmm. Uh, in Congress, there have been three regulatory sandbox bills to tackle that the issue at the federal level. Uh, digital tokens is one of them, which deals with the cryptocurrencies. Uh, Senator Mike Lee from Utah introduced a universal regulatory sandbox based on Utah's model that would apply to any and all industries at the federal level and Senator Marsha Blackburn introduced an agriculture technology sandbox based on Mississippi's. So if we can get sandboxes at the state level and the federal level, uh, Sky is truly, if we can get regulations out of the way on all levels.
1: Regulatory sandboxes, they're getting a little bit of a dispensation uh, to, to work outside the normal regulatory frameworks. How does that, or is there an impact on
0: consumer protection because of that? I would argue that consumer protection is top of mind when running and implementing regulatory sandbox, all the way from the application itself to the trial period. You know, the, the business has to approach the sandbox, highlight their great idea. And if that idea is clearly and obviously going to hurt consumers, they aren't going to be allowed in the regulatory sandbox. That's not good for business. It's not good for the regulator either that wants the sandbox to go as smoothly as possible. And while the business is in the sandbox, you know, innovating, interacting with consumers, selling their product, they are reporting to the state sandbox on what's happening. So transparency all the way. There's constantly an eye on this business that is, you know, innovating and operating outside of the box to ensure the the smoothest possible trial period and that consumers are being protected the entire way.
1: We've talked about uh, Florida. We talked about uh, Utah. What are some other states that have regulatory sandboxes of any size?
0: There are currently 11 states with regulatory sandboxes. Uh, Arizona and Utah are the only two as of right now to have a universal sandbox that applies to any and all, while everyone from Hawaii to Florida to West Virginia have regulatory sandboxes of their own. So this isn't a red or blue issue. This is a nonpartisan issue. It's creating smart deregulation, smart regulation, while just increasing access to the little guys trying to get onto the market with their innovative product. They're not having to hire high caliber lobbyists or take the government to court. Instead, this is a way for the state to say, hey, we're open to working with you, come talk to us. We want you to do business and innovate in our state. While also increasing access to goods, whether it's financial technologies or banking through FinTech, Uh, you know, sky's the limit. Wait, getting regulations out of the way, just as you said in the introduction, You know, less regulations and less compliance costs means cheaper goods getting to the consumers, and this is a way. This is one tool to help deliver on that.
1: Right, and so with eleven states that have already adopted this, I mean Arkansas needs to be the twelfth, in my opinion. I think that we that we would benefit from this. We need an economy that's blowing and going. That people know that Arkansas is ready for business, and I think a a regulatory sandbox would be a signal uh, that that we're serious about that. So. But describe to me, from your knowledge, let's say using uh, Utah's, because I believe you're pretty pretty familiar with that one. Uh, I'm a business. I got a business idea. Uh, it's innovative. It's uh, not quite fitting within the regulatory framework that I'm currently in. And how how does that process work for me in say Utah?
0: Yeah. So in Utah, we have we'll just use the universal sandbox. We'll we'll keep educational legal services off. You would approach the office of the regulatory relief office. It's Director Dane Ishihar that runs it. And there's a simple application online that you can fill out, or he's very open to being contacted via email. And I can get into that. But you fill out the application. This is my great idea. This these are the regulations that I think are standing in the way. I don't really know where I fit. Can I please have a temporary waiver of these? And you, upon acceptance into the sandbox, you would then be allowed to trial this product, service, business model while reporting to the sandbox itself. And you know, honestly, businesses within the sandbox are under more scrutiny than businesses outside because they are constantly reporting to the sandbox to then make an informed decision or make informed recommendations to the state legislature to make informed decisions on regulatory reform or even repeal. Mm-hmm. Because we don't want those businesses to sit in the sandbox forever. We want them to be able to get out, reform the state's code, rules, whatever, and get them onto the full market legally. And you know, one of the the unsung heroes of the regulatory sandboxes, I'd say, are businesses that don't know where they fit or don't have a grasp on the regulations themselves because it's not so clear. They see the sandbox as almost a, an ally or a safe space to reach out and say, "Hey, I may be breaking the rules. I don't really know where I fit. I kind of touch on insurance. I touch on you know commerce. I don't know who my regulator is." And then through the sandbox, just by talking to them, they find out they're allowed to operate under the state's current regulatory code. They don't need mm-hmm. the sandbox. But that is much cheaper than hiring an attorney to come through the state's regulatory code for you. You know, those billing hours are just ridiculous when you can go straight to this friendly office that wants to sit down and wants you to do business in their state.
1: So the state state economies can benefit from sandboxes. Business mm-hmm. can can be created, you know, can innovate because of sandboxes and consumers could potentially have new products, new services, and lower cost goods and services uh, through the benefits of a sandbox. Are there other benefits out there that you can think of? I mean, those are the top three that come to my mind.
0: You know, I'd say that it just sends a message uh, that, you know, we're Arkansas or we're Utah or we're Florida and we want you to innovate. We don't have all the solutions to the world's problems but we want you to you know, come up with the next one. And we are willing to work with you. We don't want to deny you. We you know, understand that regulations get in the way. So therefore, here's this space to trial whatever great idea you may have. And that's why personally, and you know, Libertas as a whole, we think universal is the best way to go. There are innovations that can touch on two to five industries. Mm-hmm. You know, sky's the limit. And we We're ignorant if we think that we have thought of everything, you know, that we're done innovating, things aren't ever going to change, because that's just not the case. You know, we're sitting here on laptops with earbuds in and headphones on and our cell phones, we communicate, you know, 30 to 50 years ago, this, this would be unthinkable. We're working through the internet, we're recording, you know, innovation is all around us, and it's constantly getting better.
1: Yeah, and that's that's what I see too. Is that um, we are on this this constant trajectory of of improving the quality of life, and a lot of that quality of well, most if not all of those quality of life improvements existed in someone else's mind, who then decided to try to solve the problem for their community and create a business or a, or a great idea, and. That's how it happens. So all of the things that we can say, look, we're, we're not against you to start a business here. I think a lot of times the regulatory side of things seems to be more sticks, no carrots on trying to get a business started. That that the it's viewed somewhat as this government is the, uh, the opposition to business. Uh, they don't have a very friendly partnership style of environment when it comes you know, small business particularly. So sandboxes, I think, have that, that sweet spot to where government can be a, a ally of business to help them get things figured out so that we can get them into the right place that they need to be. Um, I think that it's also good to have challenges to these old regulations that have been sitting on the books forever and maybe outdated uh, and just you know, cleaning
0: that up is also a, a, another benefit. But one hundred percent. You know, and I think. It, it, oh, go ahead. It may lead to regulators or state officials, legislators, thinking creatively about ways to solve other problems, not just regulators. Just thinking outside of the box and getting them into that culture and that mindset that it's okay to think outside of the status quo. You know, that's how we're driving vehicles around, and we're not under candlelight anymore. Mm-hmm. You know Things constantly need to be innovating, and it's going to happen regardless. We can either you know, be friends with innovation and, and welcome it and say, we're going to work with you, we're going to work to understand it, and then create smart regulation after to ensure consumer protection, or we're going to get left behind and, and prevent you from operating in the first place. And someone else will come fill that role and say, hey, well, we want you over here then. You don't need to go there, but you can come here.
1: Love it. I think that uh, the Arkansas should consider regulatory sandboxes as a place to, again, show that we're open to new and innovative ideas. We have industries within our state that have been trendsetters globally, not just nationally or just within the state. And there are more people who, whose ideas could be realized through a regulatory sandbox. Um, I think there's benefits, again, to the state attracting business in uh, benefits for business to try to be innovative and forward thinking. And then also for the consumer again, to have better quality of products and services, and then also potentially lower costs. So big fan on the, on the sandbox side, Um, you know, Reese, if individuals want to learn more about Libertas and the work that you all are doing, how can uh, they get connected to you all?
0: Yeah. uh, Before I want to get into that, I just wanted to say that, you know, regulatory sandbox can work to benefit both the new small businesses as well as the old large legacy businesses. You know, you've got companies like Walmart. What could drone delivery mean for them? Mm -hmm. Or, you know, this isn't this is for everyone. This isn't just for the newcomers, because the you know, the folks have been around for much longer than some of these new startups. They need to keep innovating as well to remain relevant. Uh, How are they going to get the best products to their consumers? It all relies on innovation at the end of the day. Uh, to get in touch with Libertas, you can reach out to my, my work email, Reese R-E-E-S, at Libertas, L-I-B-E-R-T-A-S, dot org. And I'd be happy to answer any and all questions.
1: Very good. Well, Reese, I appreciate your time uh, with Believe in Arkansas. I think you're always enlightening us about the benefits that uh, regulatory sandboxes can bring to citizens and businesses, both new and old. Uh, So we appreciate it and hope to have you back sometime soon and maybe have come visit the state.
0: Hey, thank you for having me again. And hopefully I can come visit Arkansas. I love it out there. Thank you for joining us for Believe in Arkansas, where we believe free people are capable of extraordinary things. If you believe in Arkansas and would like to help unlock our state's potential, go to www.believeinar.com to learn more and join the movement today.
1: We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Believe in Arkansas. Be sure to like, follow, and share.